So I thought to read a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, which Srila Prabhupada uh, quoted to me uh, in, in June, just, uh, just after uh, he, he got the land. It was a big struggle, and eventually he did uh, get the land uh, signed over to him. And so the next day, uh, he met with me and one other disciple named Mahamsa Prabhu, who also came from quite a, uh, you could say, affluent and respectable family. And he quoted this verse. This is Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 5, Lord Rishabdev's Teachings, text 18. And you'll see the relevance of the verse and purport to the occasion. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om-namo-bhagavate-vasudevaya Namo Chayadya Samupetya Mityum Guru Nasasyat Swajano Nasasyat Pita Nasasyaj Janani Nasasyat Daivam Natatsyan Napatischa Sasyan Namo Chayadya Samupetya Mityum Guru, a spiritual master. Na, not. Sa, he. Syat, should become. Swajana, a relative. Na, not. Sa, such a person. Syat, should become. Pita, a father. Na, not. Sa, he, siat, should become. Janani, a mother. Na, not. Sa, she, siat, should become. Daivam, worshipable deity. Na, not. Tat, that, siat, should become. Na, not. Pati, a husband. Cha, also, sa, he, siat, should become. Na, not. Mochayet, can deliver. Ya, who, samopetya mrityum, 
one who is on the repeated, excuse me, one who is on the path of repeated birth and death. Translation. So listen carefully, especially if you're a father, mother, husband, or guru. <laughs> Translation. One who cannot deliver his dependence from the path of repeated birth and death should never become a spiritual master, a father, a husband, a mother, or a worshipable demigod. So all of you husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and gurus, uh, this is your responsibility, according to Srimad Bhagavatam. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada explains how you can uh, fulfill your responsibility. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. There are many spiritual masters, but Rishabhdev advises that one should not become a spiritual master if he is unable to save his disciple from the path of birth and death. Unless one is a pure devotee of Krishna, he cannot save himself from the path of repeated birth and death. So our duty is to be pure devotees and to uh, make our dependents pure devotees so that they can be delivered from the path of repeated birth and death. This is our uh, responsibility. And in that process, we take help from other devotees. Uh, Srila Prabhupada formed ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, to give people the chance to associate with devotees, pure devotees. And uh, the term pure devotee can have different applications. Uh, but in a broader sense, a pure devotee means one who is engaging in devotional service not uh, for any material motive, not to gain material facility or even uh, impersonal liberation, but who engages in, in uh, devotional service only for the sake of pleasing Krishna and making spiritual advancement. Um, Srila Prabhupada wrote a, a, a very important letter to a disciple named uh, Tusta Krishna Prabhu, who was uh, very attached to another disciple named, uh, originally named Sai, and, that, and uh, Sai had many of his own followers in Hawaii, but then he surrendered to Srila Prabhupada 
Yeah, he had his own followers, but they were chanting Hare Krishna and reading Srila Prabhupada's books. And then he surrendered to Srila Prabhupada along with his followers. So, after some time, this uh, Trista Krishna, very nice devotee, unfortunately he's no longer in this world, but Trista Krishna Prabhu uh, wrote Srila Prabhupada, um, you know, praising Sai, who was initiated by Srila Prabhupada as Siddha Swarup. And, um, and Srila Prabhupada uh, sort of cautioned him that, uh, you know, Siddha Swarup is a good soul, but do not create factions. Uh, yeah, Siddha Swarup is a good soul, a pure devotee, but anyone who is sincerely following the instructions of the spiritual master is a pure devotee. He may be Siddha Swarup or he may not be Siddha Swarup. Um, so, yeah, he, he said, yeah, don't make uh, any faction, but, you know, there should be understood clearly uh, that anyone who is sincerely following the instructions of the spiritual master is a pure devotee. He may be Siddha Swarup or not. And then Srila Prabhupada said, um, you know, Siddha Sarupa will go back to Godhead and uh, you will go back to Godhead and Shamsundar, Shamsundar was the GBC where um, Tustra Krishna Prabhu was working. I think they had some differences. And Srila Prabhupada said, Shamsundar will go back to Godhead. All will go back to Godhead and we'll have another Iskan in the spiritual sky. And then he said, only Mr. Nair, he will not go. And, and I think one reason he mentioned Mr. Nair is because that Trista Krishna was actually the first one, uh, first Iskand devotee to meet Mr. Nair. Um, but yes, so that's the idea that we'll, we'll have another Iskand in the spiritual world, we'll all be together. And as uh, His Holiness Ratatvata Swami so nicely uh, advised us, we should appreciate all the devotees, take advantage of their association, not offend any devotee. Um, because, yeah, we're, uh, our relationship with Srila Prabhupada is eternal, and therefore our relationships with each other are also eternal. Uh, because we're all related to Srila Prabhupada. So, um, so yeah. So now back to the, to the verse in purport. Unless, purport, unless one is a pure devotee of Krishna, and we've given a bit of a definition of a pure devotee, Unless one is a pure devotee of Krishna, he cannot save himself from the path of repeated birth and death. 
So here Srila Prabhupada is quoting, uh, you know, an, an important verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and the, 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 the meaning of the verse is that one who understands Krishna in truth, uh, he doesn't have to take birth again in this material world, but he, he, he goes to Krishna. He goes back home, back to Godhead. And Srila Prabhupada says, one can stop birth and death only by returning home, back to Godhead. However, who can go back to Godhead unless he understands the Supreme Lord in truth? Janma karma chame devyam evam yo veti tattvataha tyaktvadeham purnarjanma naiti mameti so Arjuna. And how do we understand the Supreme Lord in truth? That is also explained by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Bhakti Mam Abhijanati, that only by pure devotional service, only by bhakti, can he be known, and and only by 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 devotional service can one enter into the mysteries of his understanding. So the idea is to to engage in bhakti yoga, and uh, and this process of bhakti yoga is so beautiful that even a six-month-old child can engage. He can, he can take prasad, as we saw, so enthusiastically demonstrated by Giridhari. He can take prasad, he can hear the holy name, he can hear the sacred texts, and when the time comes, he'll be able to, uh, to repeat what he has heard. First is Shravanam and then Kirtanam. So, yeah, anyone, even from the you know, oldest great-grandfather, grandmother, down to the youngest uh, boy or girl. Now, the, the sort of converse of this verse is that, okay, if, if you cannot deliver your dependent from the path of repeated birth and death, you should never become a spiritual master, a father, a husband, or a mother. So the, the implication is that if you, if you can't deliver your dependent, from the path of repeated birth and death. You're not a real father, you're not a real mother, you're not a real guru, you're not a real husband. And so Srila Prabhupada quoted this verse to, uh, to Mahamsa Prabhu and me, as I mentioned the day after he uh, signed the conveyance to get the Jugu land. And, you know, he said that but, you know, fortunately this wouldn't apply to the, to the parents who are on this call. But he's, you know, he, he, he said that, you know, you have left your fathers and mothers 
and certainly they were not happy with your joining the Krishna consciousness movement. And it is your duty to obey your fathers and mothers. But if they're not helping you to get liberation from repeated birth and death, they're not real fathers and mothers, and therefore you're not obliged uh, to follow them. Of course, we do offer respect. We always offer respect to elders and superior relatives. Um, but if they give us instructions that are contrary to Krishna consciousness, contrary to our ultimate liberation from repeated birth and death, then we're not obliged to follow. We have many instances in history illustrating Rishabdev's instructions. Shukracharya was rejected by Bali Maharaj due to his inability to save Bali Maharaj from the path of repeated birth and death. Shukracharya was not a pure devotee. He was more or less inclined to fruit of activity. And he objected when Bali Maharaj promised to give everything to Lord Vishnu. Actually, one is supposed to give everything to the Lord because everything belongs to the Lord. Consequently, the Supreme Lord advises in Bhagavad Gita 9.27, Yat karosiyat asnasi yajjahosi dadasiyat, yat tapasyasi konteyat tat kurushva madarpanam. O son of Kunti, all that you do, listen to this, all that you do, all that you eat, all that you offer and give away, as well as all austerities that you perform, should be done as an offering to me, to Krishna. This is bhakti. Unless one can do so, Listen to this. Unless one can do so, he cannot become a spiritual master, husband, father, or mother. Or to put it in other terms, if you are <laughs> a spiritual master, or a mother, or a father, or a husband, you must give everything to Krishna. Otherwise you're not... Um, a proper candidate to occupy that position. So, unless one is devoted, he cannot give everything to the Supreme Lord. Unless one can do so, he cannot become a spiritual master, husband, father, or mother. Similarly, the wives of the Brahmins who were performing sacrifices gave up their relatives just to satisfy Krishna. This is an example of a wife rejecting a husband who cannot deliver her from the impending dangers of birth and death. Similarly, Prahlad Maharaj rejected his father and Bharat Maharaj rejected his mother. Janani Nasasyat. The word Daivam indicates a demigod or one who accepts worship from a dependent. 
Ordinarily, the spiritual master, husband, father, mother, or superior relative accepts worship from an inferior relative. But here, Reshav Dev forbids this. First, the father, spiritual master, or husband must be able to release the dependent from repeated birth and death. If he cannot do this, he plunges himself into the ocean of reproachment for his unlawful activities. In other words, if you can't deliver your dependent, if you don't act in such a way as to deliver your dependent by by giving everything to Krishna and and um, teaching your dependent to serve in the same line, then you shouldn't be a father, mother, husband, or guru. Everyone should be very responsible and take charge of his dependence as a spiritual master takes charge of his disciple or a father takes charge of his son. This is our responsibility. Um, I see uh, Karunavatar Das is with us and they have a son named Karunyabhav who's five or six Five, and I, he and his wife, uh, Kishori Radha, have sent me video clips of their son at the age of five, sitting up on a vyasa sofa, and uh, sort of giving Bhagavad Gita class, and they're they're sitting at his feet, and he's. You know, he's chanting Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudeva. He's reading the book and giving some instructions. So that is a very good uh, achievement for them as parents, Krunavatar and Kishori Radha, and, and for their son at the age of five to be giving Bhagavad Gita class. So, uh, so Giridhari. He's six months, so we'll give him another four and a half years. <laughs> and then we'll look forward to his giving a class on Shastra. So, everyone should be very responsible and take charge of his dependents, just as a spiritual master takes charge of his disciple, or a father takes charge of his son. All these responsibilities cannot be discharged honestly unless one can save the dependent from repeated birth and death. So we're very happy that uh, that Nilamadava and uh, Madhuri Radha are real parents because they are Krishna conscious and they are raising their son to be Krishna conscious. And uh, 
you know, I spoke about the importance of association and it, sometimes I say it takes a village to raise a child. So we have the community of devotees to support you in uh, your efforts, both to be Krishna conscious yourself and to to raise your child in Krishna consciousness, uh, to be to be pure devotees yourselves and to raise your uh, son to be a pure devotee. So yeah, it's very auspicious uh, occasion and. Yeah, we take the opportunity to remind ourselves of our of our uh, grave responsibilities, and um, you know, recommit ourselves to fu- to uh, fulfilling those responsibilities, as described here by uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam and explained uh, by Srila Prabhupada. And as His Holiness Ritatvita Swami said, that if we had this uh, ceremony in person, uh, we probably wouldn't have been able to fit so many people in the room. Um, but And not only that, we wouldn't have been able to get people as we have now from India, from Spain, from South Africa, from <laughs> all around the world, so yeah, it's 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 very nice, and I thank all of you for joining us and giving us your association and giving your blessings to to Gary Dari. Uh, I might just add that uh, Madhuri Radha thought of the name Gary Dari. Uh, to to honor both her uh, biological father and her spiritual father, because her her biological father, who unfortunately has has left this world and could not be here for this occasion in his physical form, but his name was Chakradari Das. So, so she took the Dari from Chakradari and she took the, the Giri from Giri Raj and she put them together and we got Giri Dari. What a perfect name. <laughs> so yes, thank you. Thank you for joining us and giving your blessings to Giri Dari. So I don't know now if we want to give others a chance to speak or ask questions or what our time frame is, but yeah, I'm, I've I've said what I uh, wanted to say. And again, I wish you all the best in all respects. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Guru Maharaj. Um, I, we, we can't thank you enough for everything that you have done for us and for our family. Um, I, um, yeah, I really don't know what to say. I mean, you um, and Rathabha Jamaraj have been a part of so many significant events in our lives. And um, really, I mean, we're just, we're just riding 
riding the waves of, of your mercy. Um, that's it. And, um, and it's, it's, we're so grateful to you. We love you so much. Uh, with Dr. Marge, we love you so much. And we miss you both. And, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and being a part of this occasion and, um, for, for sharing such, such nice guidance and reading from the scriptures. I, I would also like to acknowledge uh, your parents and uh, uh, Madhuri Radha's parents because they must have been good parents. Those are, of course, are Giridhari's grandparents. They must have been good parents because their children became such nice devotees. So. We also owe a debt of gratitude to them, and we must uh, recognize them and express our appreciation for them as well. Hare Krishna. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. I, I, that's very, very true. <laughs> um, we thought we could open it up for questions now. Um, if devotees, um, if you have any questions, we could um, maybe uh, it's 125, or in, in Texas it's 125, and uh, so maybe we can go, um, Guru Maharaj, maybe for another 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of, of questions, if anyone has questions. Sure. And I would request the devotees, if you know, if possible and practical, to uh, put on their videos so we can see them live. <laughs> so devotees, if, if you have any, if you have a question, just go ahead and feel free to unmute yourself and um, and ask. Um, uh, Brahma Samhita has a question. Brahma Samhita. Sorry, Krishna, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, Pranam. I guess um, I have uh, maybe a couple of questions, maybe for you and Maharaj. Uh, thank you all, though, everyone, and especially the two of you for sharing the association here today. I guess, but let me say like this, um, I suppose uh, from Ritat Bhajan Maharaj's talk, uh, he seemed to make the point that uh, you know, a person has to be comfortable with where they're situated in Krishna consciousness. And from that, I'm going to kind of extrapolate or <laughs> say that that sounds like it means that maybe success in Krishna consciousness and household life might be different for different people. Um, I also heard from you the verse that you were reading is that... Um, a person, you know, who isn't qualified uh, shouldn't become a, uh, a guru or a parent or whatnot. And I suppose, um, let me put it like this, uh, since, and maybe you may or may not agree with this, but since it seems like to me what I'm getting is that success in spiritual life might be different with different people, um, I guess first of all is there a line that we draw I mean it's, let me put it like this is, is there a line such that 
people might have certain desires, some people might have desires which, you know, you just can't handle them within the scope of spiritual life or making advancement in spiritual life. I guess that's one thing. And I guess the other thing, too. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, you made the point of giving everything to Krishna. I guess I'm, um, I, I would like to hear what you think of, of what you have to say about this. You know, is it really possible for a person who has material attachments to give everything to Krishna? So I'll let you guys, I mean, I'll let you all speak. <laughs> for Swami, he addressed you first. Um, well we shouldn't become you know a father or mother or husband or guru unless we can deliver our dependence from repeated birth and death now we might have become you know, husbands and wives and fathers and mothers before we really knew what our responsibility was. But now that we know we should do whatever we can uh, to, to deliver our dependence from repeated birth and death, especially husband and wife, with the children, it's a little tricky because, uh, you know, after a certain stage, they start to think for themselves, so to speak. And as uh, His Holiness Ritadra Swami often says about the children who are born in the movement, that they are born into the Hare Krishna movement, but they haven't decided to join the Hare Krishna movement. That's up to them to decide. But just like with anyone else, how we act and how we speak can encourage them to want to join or not. So, yeah, we should... We should act in such a way and speak in such a way and deal with them in such a way that they want to join the Hare Krishna movement. And uh, some advice that I give to people who have relatives who are not devotees, and I think it's good advice, is that they should show two things. One, that they're happy. And two, that they deal very nicely with people and especially with those people. And so even if, they're, even if those people are not devotees, but if they see that you as a devotee are happy and that you deal nicely with them and with others, that's like the, the greatest recommendation for Krishna consciousness, you know, more than any philosophy which they might not be ready to hear. So, yeah. 
Ratanfajar Swami, I see you unmuted yourself. Uh, I did. I, um, because I wanted to an- answer Mr. Samita's question to me. Yeah. Um, which I mentioned, why don't you be comfortable? Um, there's, there's really, honest, to be honest, there's no comfortable place in the material world. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, it went all on me. I know. I want to see Brahma Samhita. <clears throat> but um, 99.9% of the population, 99.99 with the line over the top of the point, will generally be married. Because to have no companion is very, is a little uncomfortable. Because the nature was, there was one, it was either, yeah, it was a, it was a class where there probably was giving, and I can't remember where it was. He says, you always see in the animal kingdom tools, two birds, two squirrels, you, know, you always see that they have a companion. <laughs> and so, when I was saying to be comfortable in spiritual life, or in your position, doesn't mean that it's going to be a bed of roses without thorns. The thorns will be there with the rose petals. And, but, better to be in that position than, um, what is probably say, one time, a, a charlatan, one living, one time living on the expense of someone else as a pseudo sadhu, as they may call it, you know. And so, Rahasta life is the facility for that. It's the facility for that, for that need. And your question was, is it possible to be outside the scope of, is it, is it possible to have desires outside the scope of spiritual life? And I think, if I were to be honest, I would say, at least myself and my experience, is that everyone in this world has desires that may be outside this, that are or could be outside the scope of spiritual life. But we're in a process of cleansing ourselves. Example, probably, don't criticize someone for being dirty if they're in the shower trying to get clean. And so, what we do is that it's um, there's that there's that series of verses 18 to uh, 19 to 20 19 to 20 18 to 23 or in the sixth chapter that describes one who's in the state of samadhi like this and the next one is samadhi yoga ganir vinachetasaha one should practice Krishna concept with yoga with firm determination and faith. And then within that, Purport Prabhupada talks about the sparrow and his determination to drain the ocean. And we have to, we want to gain that type of determination because by, her, by that sparrow's determination, she got the mercy of Guruva who assisted. And so in the next verse, it's, it's described Shanai Shanai gradually, step by step gradually, step by step, and my 
other dearest friend. We have dearest and dearest, and we have dearest and dearest. And so my other dearest friend is raised from the Chirita Prabhu. One time did a, a folio search on gradual, or gradually. And as I probably, it's, it's brought up like over a hundred and some times that the process of Krishna consciousness is gradual. So as long as we're always, what would you say, aware and always, um, what would you say, endeavoring. I don't use the word trying because sometimes we'll try, sometimes we won't, but we can endeavor, all the, we can always be endeavoring for, um, what would you say, um, expanding or growing our, our ability to serve Krishna and to serve the spiritual master and to just pray to understand where is where are where are what are those things that are blocking me from being sent for sent and to pray for, for Krishna. Because Krishna is a person, we pray to Krishna to have the ability to at least see. It's like in the twelve step process of Alcoholics Anonymous, the first one is to admit. So I started my Hare Krishna former AA, which is called SGA, which is Sense Gratifiers Anonymous. Mm-hmm. We go to Montalati, for personality, to Montalati, to our room. Hare Krishna, Kala Tensi, my name is Arati Swami, and I'm an addict. I'm addicted to sense gratification. And we have our 16-round process and four regulated principle process to help us overcome the pushings, the pushings of the, of the body. There are different pushings, and they're present. And there's one purport in the 13th chapter, I think, where Prabhupada explains it's not that a, that a pure devotee doesn't experience sensual experiences, but he dovetails or util, you know, subdues or utilizes those in, in the service of Krishna. And so the idea is that we can, we can, we won't find a comfortable position ultimately in this material world, but there'll be somebody more conducive for us to engage in spiritual life and to make um, greater endeavor and greater uh, levels of advancement. And more, more likely than not, it'll be the Grihastha Ashram. And the fact that we have six, the, the, the name of this is successful, um, also, life, successful Grihastha life is, is wonderful because if you don't think there can be success in it, you, you won't. What was that? Ambarisha's uh, great grandfather, Henry Ford, said, If you think you can't, you won't. And if you think you can, you will. At least there's a chance. So if we think we can't make it in Grihastha life, then we'll just throw everything out the, out the baby out of the bathwater. But if we have the if we actually have the understanding that we can achieve success, then the possibility is there. Uh, and the more we, we stay in tune and in touch with our heart and, and, and in touch with our, you know, what's going on and have an honest assessment and always, always take an assessment, um, then there'll be a chance. So it, it, the, com- the, the comfortableness that I was speaking about is which which one of the uncomfortable situations are you more that more likely to make spiritual advancement? More likely, and that's the one we choose. Whatever one is more conducive for us to make spiritual advancement. And yes, 
I think, to have material desires, have desires outside the scope of a spiritual life is an honest assessment. It's a very honest assessment. And to know that we have work to do is um, a wonderful opportunity that Krishna has given, and we see it with gratitude. Thank you, Krishna, for making me half crazy because now I don't... I'm already halfway there, so I can make it. It's got to go halfway. <laughs> Thank you so very much for that wonderful insight. Brother Sameet is such a such a intellectual. He's really like a really. <laughs> he's got a superior intelligence from most people. No. I always expect some, I always expect something superior to come from him. No, one of my god brothers told me, uh, I'm the Brahma with no head. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So I don't know who's in charge. Yes, Neela Madhava. Yeah, we have a we have a question that was just asked through the through the chat. Um, I can read it. As parents, this is, this is from Susmita. Um, uh, we want to see the it, we want to see the person who's asking the question. Yeah, yeah, Susmita. I'm not sure who that is, but if you could, if you there she is. Yourself. There she is. Yeah, you can read the question if you want. No, please, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let, I'll let you ask. Yeah. Okay, so um, I would like it better to uh, send it down at the age of spend all my thoughts rather than just go ahead and ask me. Yes. So, um, thank you for this uh, great session, uh, Maharaj. Uh, uh, so, uh, I, I'm a parent, so I always uh, try to un- uh, understand, like, where should I draw a line? Like, we are all born into this world, though these are my kids, but we are all born into this world and we have brought all those reactions, current reactions and repeated life that we have taken. So, uh, like uh, the question I was asking, as parents, we can be role models and endeavor to walk the Krishna conscious life. Every individual is ultimately have a, um, but every individual is ultimately have a purpose and karmic reaction of living their own life, even if that is my own child or family member. So where do we draw a line in terms of engaging into Krishna consciousness? Like, like in terms of food and bringing Krishna into the center of our life, but how far should we go and, you know, where it is like uh, everybody should actually enjoy it, not to the level where we are forceful, you know? So where should we draw the line? Like what are the symptoms where I should think like, okay, I should back, back up a little bit or, you know, I should not push it or, like how, how where, where do I how do I uh, assess it? Like what is the process? I understand like it's a gradual process, but sometimes I feel like maybe I should put in more, or should I like step back a little bit? You know. That's an excellent question, Rajendra Swami. You've dealt a lot with with children. I'll also respond after you do. I'm going to look up something that that I heard Srila Prabhupada say about the parents and children. So I actually have two kids. One is a teenager boy, and the other was is a girl, seven-year-old. So two different age groups. Unmute yourself, Maharaj. I I, un, I unmute it because I hear myself echoing. 
I mean, I mute it because I hear myself echoing on Neela Madhavas, and so I just unmute myself. So I, I heard a funny, kind of a funny joke yesterday from a friend that said that um, God, God's revenge on us for not, be, not being exactly what he wanted when he created humans in his image is to create teenagers for parents who want to create children in their image. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it's kind of like, in other words, when your children become teenagers, then you really get to understand what it is. And actually, one time I read a book and it says, if you want to, if, if, to understand what a, if someone is writing something or trying to tell you what a teenager is, just close the book because nobody really knows what they are. It's, it's like a very, very unique situation. So, um, outside of my two jokes, I'll just, I'll just uh, tell you my experience. And my experience, number one, if you always pulling on the legs of the principle and you'll fall off. If you're always pulling on the reins of the horse, the horse won't be able to do what a horse is supposed to do. You have to give a little bit, you have to pull a little bit, you have to give a little bit, you have to pull a little bit. And yet, as you said, each individual child is born with a particular type of karma. And um, as Maharaj was saying, that I tell people that the children are born in the Hare Krishna <coughs> so we so to force them to be part of a society that they haven't a hundred percent understood, a hundred percent you know accepted in their heart. It's it's a matter of a changing a change of heart. We had that record that actually meaning it's actually a change of heart that has to happen. And so a lot of times if there's too much, then it. It, it, it repels them. If there's too little, it doesn't attract them. So we have to we have to judge it by each individual case. And as a parent, it's just like time, place, and circumstance. It's described in in, in the scriptures that one who is an acharya, which is meant, which is Mars's verse, but we're meant to be teachers, we're meant to be proper parents and stuff, to understand how to present the consciousness according to time, place, and circumstance. And so you have you have that, what would you say, I don't like to use the word burden, but you have the opportunity. I like the word opportunity. You have the opportunity, which is a positive, like nominative determination. In other words, you utilize a verse and it has a particular type of determination that, that, that will come from it particular type of result that will come from the word. Whereas, so we have a particular opportunity by which we can instruct our children. And one of the things that I, you know, I've, I've been accused of raising over 150 teenage boys, accused or, or assessed. You know, one of my one of my real cool boys. I had an ashram for 10 years, eight, 10 years, but teenage boys. And one of the things was that really, really help the boys was my honesty of heart. And when I erred, I owned it. I owned the error, and as much as you want a child to own the error, I owned the error. And I would honor, I would say that this this wasn't this was my bad. This this I, I was off I shouldn't have acted this way. I shouldn't have you know this was this was improper and 
just really because it, when I become vulnerable, it allows them to become vulnerable. Because the problem with vulnerability is that one has a fear of I'm going to be accepted or rejected. That fear factor for vulnerability is there. Am I going to be accepted or rejected by this person? And so if I can, if I can, if I can be vulnerable in front of my children or my, my, my little cool boys and stuff, when they saw that I had the ability to be vulnerable, they had the ability to be vulnerable in front of me and open up to their needs. You know, I open up my needs, they open up their needs. And, you know, I had a lot of jokes when they say, I'm sorry, Mars, I said, don't worry. And I said, to err is human and to forgive is divine. I'll remain on the divine platform. Don't worry, I'm not going to do anything hard. And, you know, I had all kinds of little jokes. And I'd also just like, you know, have a sense of communication. I don't know what background you had from your parental experience, but a lot of times we can learn what was the effect on me when my parents acted a certain way and what will the, what can I learn from their mistakes that I shouldn't do and what can I learn from their, um, what would you say, that which assisted me in becoming a better person and utilizing, you know, utilizing that, that, that experience. And especially one of the things that when people ask me, how do you deal with all these teenage boys? How do you do it? I said, I remember being a teenager. I remember being a teen. I know what it's like. I still remember what it's like. And I don't, I think that if, if, if maybe I should ask one of Maharaj because I always quote him. He, he mentioned to me one time, he said, Whatever it takes, I'll do it so I don't have to take birth in the material world and go through teenage life again. <laughs> it's kind of one of his one of his classic, you know, statements where he doesn't want to have to go through that trauma of teenage being a teenager where you're think one minute you're adult and then the next thing you're doing you're playing with your little toys and then the next thing you think you're an adult and the next thing you're playing with your toys and you have so much confusion and your body's changing so rapidly. I mean, the body's always rapidly changing, but it's a different type of change that we're not used to. And so, I just say honesty of heart, and you know, and when we communicate our our heart in an honest way, then the chances are better that they'll communicate their heart more openly with us. And once the heart is understood, then we can we can really develop that relationship. And there, our honesty will hopefully reflect into their being honest with us because they're going to go, everybody goes through so many difficulties and to have shelter is so important, it's just so important. So that's just a couple of things off the top of my head and, uh, in this spare of the moment question and answer session. But Mara's just smiling because he must have found what he was looking for. No, I'm smiling because it was a perfect question and a perfect answer. But I did find what I was looking for, but that's not why I was smiling. Um, but I'll read it. It's, a, it's short. It's, a, it's from a talk by Srila Prabhupada on Srimad Bhagavatam 2315 on June 1st, 1972 in Los Angeles. And of course, this would apply to probably the younger children. But Srila Prabhupada says, 
Children's nature is to imitate because they have to learn. So nature has given them the propensity to imitate. So the first imitation begins from the parents. If the parents are nice Krishna devotees, naturally the children become devotees. That is the opportunity of taking birth in a Vaishnav family. So you are Vaishnav. You should be very cautious, careful that the children are not going astray, that they are actually becoming Krishna conscious. That means you have to be devotee and they will imitate. By imitation, 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 they will come to Krishna consciousness. Then they will never give it up. But Wonderful. <laughs> Can you send me that, please? Yes, sure. Okay. Sorry to just like nonsense. No, that's... So, one other point I can mention is that... Uh, some years ago, we had uh, some children of devotees visiting us in, at, at my ashram in Carpinteria who became devotees. And we asked them what it was about their upbringing by their parents that led to their becoming devotees. And they all said the same thing, that their parents did everything that devotees do, but their parents never forced them. And once we had, you know, Shesha Prabhu and his wife here with the, uh, one of their daughters, or maybe both, and, you know, Shesha Prabhu said that they did everything, you know, that they would uh, attend the morning program at the temple. They would invite devotees home and, and, and serve them at home. They would do everything, but they never told their daughters to do anything. But the daughters, just by seeing their example and, and seeing, you know, the same points, how happy they were and how nicely they were dealing with their daughters, uh, they became devotees. And, uh, yeah, we had uh, uh, others uh, um, from South Africa. Yeah, one devotee couple in South Africa, Nanda Kumar Prabhu and his wife, Nanda Chandrika, they've had, I think they have six children, and they're all devotees. And uh, so we asked... One, one of the couples was here, the, uh, Nanda Kishore Das, their son and his wife, uh, um, Kandarpa Manjari, whose parents were also devotees. And they said basically the same thing, that their parents did everything that devotees should do, but their parents never forced them to do anything. So, yeah, that that was the pattern. <laughs> yeah.
But I mean, it depends on how old they are, because, you know, like, at a, at a certain age, you do need to to guide them and tell them what to do and what not to do. But at, then later, I guess, like, when they become young adults, uh, anyway, but, it, it, yeah, but what you said was perfect, I think, Maharaj. Well, it's like, just added to listen, because I, I just became inspired by your association, as usual. And um, and you were saying that they never, they were they weren't forced. And another thing is like the parents shouldn't. I like to use the word shouldn't. It's better that if if the parents act according to their level of realization and their level of Krishna consciousness, and not be forcing themselves to go be like have PDS, which is Purity Bodhi Syndrome, according to the Gurkhuli's um, acronym, PDS, Purity Bodhi Syndrome, where the parents are, act, you know, they get everything has, everybody in the house has to be a Purity Bodhi, and everything is just everything, but um, simple things like offering your food and doing Arctic, I mean, our good friend uh, Mahatma Prabhu said that he, he never forced his daughter to chant, he never forced her to do anything, he just I would just be, he would be chanting and she'd want to sit on his lap and he'd just let her sit on his lap and just do his chanting. And she's one of the ones that, you know, made, 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 made the curve. I mean, she's initiated and she's doing very, very well. Um, so if, 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 the, if the children see the parents struggling with the process of Krishna conscious and just not not in a sense happy, but you know, just making their lives more austere or more whatever than it than it than is necessary. But and, and at the same time, having that honesty of heart to say that, yeah, I, I have problem, I have, I, I struggle with certain things in Krishna consciousness, and being open like that will be a great benefit because um, to have the PDS mantra in the house. You know, it's it's a little it makes it a little uncomfortable. So just give them a you know and, and tons of love and tons of affection. And there was a time Prabhu said was asked what should the children do? They should just do as the parents do. And so when they're little, it's so easy to do that when they're three, two, like very dari now can you know well pretty soon. I think he's just starting to crawl. But pretty soon he can just be part of the whole program, and then when he gets a little older, we have to make adjustments according to the according to the time, place, and service. But I'm sure you're a very intelligent person, and that you'll actually be very observant of what's necessary in your particular circumstances. Thank you, Mara. <laughs> Thank you. The children learn so much from the parents. How to they'll learn from you how to negotiate marital situations. They'll learn from you how to negotiate, you know, your economic situation, you know, your your financial situation. They'll learn from you how to, you know, what to do if they get sick. I mean, they'll learn from you how to deal with friends. They'll learn from you, you know. 
whether they're criticizing people as cool or criticizing people as not cool. So, I mean, they're, what am I going to say? They just, they're, they're, they absorb? Imitate. Yeah, they just imitate the parents. So, if, if we're trash talking somebody, they'll just end up trash talking us. <laughs> so, I just, I'm too American, so. I'm not too American, I just am American. So, I, yeah, you can't iron a dog's tail straight. I'm trying. I've been ironing that tail for 45 years. So, yeah, please, I pray for your success. I pray for your success with your children. And, and all of our best wishes for, for your success, for your success, and everyone's success with their children. Uh, Robert called American boys and girls the flower of our country, the flowers of our country. And, you know, they were, he said, they're all unhappy when they came here. He said, he said, very, very intelligent and well-off children sleeping on the streets and sleeping in the parks. And it was like, it was like shocking me. In a sense, more what do you, you know, it was just like, it was, it was like, they have everything, but they're unhappy. Yeah, they were, they, they were hippies. Yeah. And Srila Prabhupada said, I am converting the hippies and making them happies. Hippies into happies. Yeah.